0: That's what I'm talking about. He is alive, and I am glad, 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 glad to be here on my favorite day of the year. It's amazing. Jesus showed up and did the unexpected. And um, while well, you're turning your Bibles to John chapter 11, don't, don't you like it when someone does some, something unexpected for you? Not just something unexpected, something unexpected for you. And, and let, me, let me just talk a little bit about... Uh, You know, I I hardly ever go to McDonald's. Actually, everybody says that, somebody's keeping them in business, but anyway, uh, (laughs) I was about two or three years ago, I pulled into McDonald's and you know, they have those, those two lanes that you can use to order in a drive-thru. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know about you, but when I pull into one of the lanes, I'm immediately in a competition with the person in the next lane, who's gonna get through first, right? And so it's very important, you know, that I choose the right lane. So as I'm pulling in, I'm literally, I'm walking, which one's going to be faster based on my assessment. And so this particular day, I pulled in and a car literally came from the other direction, caught in front of me and pulled into the same lane I was going into. And I would love to tell you that, man, there were the grace of Jesus filled my heart and I was as happy as could be. But if that was the case, I'd be lying to you. And so the entire time I'm waiting and I'm, I'm literally looking at the car in the next lane and I'm like, I should have been up there. And so this competition, I already know I'm going to lose, man. It's not going well. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of ticked about this car in front of me. Well, here's the crazy thing. Somehow we ended up being right together. We get up, they, they, they go through, they pay. I come up to the window, still kind of tick, and the, and the lady tells me how much I owe and I start to hand my debit card and she's like, oh, no, the car in front of you paid for your meal. And literally, just like that, I was like, oh, man, they're probably like Christians or something. Man, I just love them all of a sudden. And the love of Jesus filled my heart. And, and I mean, they were like real Christians. They didn't stand around and like, you know, like, like make it known that they did this for me. They just left. And so, so I'm sitting there in the drive-thru and I'm like, you know what, man? Somebody did this for me. I already came prepared to pay. I'm like, hey, you know what? Take care of the car in back of me. And the lady said, are you sure? Which should have been my first clue. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, if I had looked behind me, I wouldn't have said that. I'm just going I'm just keeping it real. Um, because like, it was like, a, I don't know, it was like a 12 or 15 passenger van. And there was there was a mom that was sitting behind the, the steering wheel and she'd had a bad day. There were like 572 kids in that van and no seat belts, the kids jumping up and down on the front the passenger seat. And she's like, that's gonna be $42.75. And I'm like, ah. I'm like, I'm looking back. I can't read lips real well, but I'm pretty sure she's saying words Jesus wouldn't approve of. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and, you know, I'm, a, I'm gonna pay it forward. And, and here's the thing, man. I, I left. I did the same thing. I didn't, I didn't want her to make eye contact with me. I left. And, and I, I mean, I just, it was this weird thing. I, I had pulled in, ticked because I was cut off. And then because somebody did something unexpected for me, man, I leave and I'm like, man, it's a good day. There are good people in the world. This is Amazing. It's always nice when someone does something unexpected for us. Well, today what I want us to do, I'm not going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go back in time more than a week before the resurrection. We're here today. We, we know what's going ready to happen. But we're going to put our, our, ourselves in the shoes. I want us to look through the eyes of John. John wrote this book that we're going to, and, and it's an eyewitness account the Apostle John was there for every single moment of this. Now, as as you look through his eyes, you're going to see people around you that you recognize. There's a crowd there. You're on a you're on a journey. You're going to Jerusalem. You'll, you'll see some of the disciples. You know, you've heard of Peter. Uh, there's there's Thomas. You know. Poor guy, doubting Thomas. We've got, uh, let's see, there's your brother James. Uh, Judas, you know, he's going to betray Jesus. He's there. You see some other women there. There's, there's the, the mother of, of Jesus, Mary's there. Mary Magdalene, you don't know a lot about her past. You don't know the whole story. You just know that it's not good, but, and she's really grateful. You know she's been forgiven of much. Then there's the guy that was with you, and, and he's like, he's new. You picked him up when you were coming out of Jericho, and he just keeps on like, wow. Wow! And you're like, oh, man, I wish he'd just shut up with that. But, but here's the deal. It's Bartimaeus. He just got his eyesight. Jesus healed him. And it says that he immediately started, he joined you, started going on this trip to Jerusalem. Now, you've got to know these people, they, they've never heard of Easter. They've never heard of Resurrection Sunday. They have never tasted one of those Reese's peanut butter eggs, that delicious thing that... We have. And, and they've, they've never had to throw away the, the plastic box with the styrofoam yellow peeps or whatever. That's the net second worst sweet thing of all time. The, the worst is candy corn, but I digress. They, 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 they've never heard of Resurrection Sunday. So we're, we're in John's shoes. We're looking through John's eyes. And, and John is not, feel, he's not feeling good about this trip. They're going to Jerusalem. They spent the night at the house of Lazarus. And the reason you're not feeling good about this is because, uh, you know, a little while ago, Jesus healed healed Nazareth. He healed Lazarus. And bringing Lazarus back from the dead was the miracle that literally put the religious rulers, the Jewish rulers, over the edge. And in fact they had called a summa. We get to John chapter 11, and it says that, uh, that they'd been told by many of the Jews what had taken place. P- people have believed, and so in verse 47, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And I just want to pause. You see, the Jews, they, they valued power. They valued, the, the apostle Paul will write later, later the, the Greeks are obsessed with wisdom. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, the Jews are obsessed with power. And the, the reason is because it seems like they've just always been under the thumb of somebody else. And so they don't even have power. They're under the rule of of Rome, and and they're afraid that that a revolution is going to start because of Jesus, that they're literally going to be wiped out. And so one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. A guy that wanted to put Jesus to death, God still used him to send this message that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation of Israel only, but I love this, but also together into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. And we read verse 53, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. And so Jesus no longer walked openly. But he went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now, we come to the end here, and it says that the Passover's coming up. One of the big, it's, it's, it's the granddaddy of all the Jewish festivals, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And Jesus hadn't been around, so they're, they're looking for Jesus, saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders, that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. And so, so we, we, we keep reading. John, listen, if you're looking at this through the eyes of John, you're nervous g- going to Jerusalem. And so on, on, on the way, you've got this whole group of people. They've come with you. You're, you've actually gone up to uh, Bethany. Now you're coming down the Mount of Olives. You're coming into Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate. And, and as they get there, they, coming from Jericho, that's where they brought a lot of the palm branches that were going to be used in the Passover celebration. Jesus stops. He asks for a donkey. This is the only place where we see Jesus riding on a donkey. He rides in. And as he rides in, man, it's like the crowds go wild. They've got these palms, and, and you can't help if you're John, you're a little nervous, apprehensive, but you get caught up in the emotion of the moment because they start waving these palm branches, and, and they're starting to sing a very familiar, popular pilgrim song that was sung by, by uh, the Jews as they would go to the, the, the feast, and it's found in Psalm 118. Anytime you see in, so, in Psalms, it's called the Song of the Ascents. These are the songs that they would sing on the way to the festival, and they're singing specifically Psalm 118, 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And they started shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that word Hosanna, if you just want to know what it means, it just means, Lord, save us now. And and in spite of yourself, if you're John, you're getting caught up in the emotion of the moment. There's so much hope, so much anticipation. Everybody's sure that, that Jesus is coming out of hiding because now, He's restoring the kingdom of Israel. He's getting ready to roll the Romans. This story's going to be over. But you keep reading into John chapter 12. And John is, is notating this. Jesus knew what they didn't. He knew that it wasn't going to end the way they thought that it was going to end. And so as we take the different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we piece together the timeline. Over the next few days, Jesus teaches in the temple. He's, he's, in fact, they wanted to arrest him, but they, he, he was too popular. They said the timing's not right. He debates with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He shows up, up again at the temple courtyard. He, he cleans house. And then we read this interesting verse, verse 36 of John chapter 12. After he had shared... With the people, what was to happen? It says, when he had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. Who's them? It's, it's the crowd of people that's with him. He, he hides himself from them. Some, sometimes, somewhere in, this, in the, these few days, Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, slips away. He meets with the, the, the Jewish authorities and, and he makes plans on what he's going to do to Betray Jesus, and so you're, you're here, you're with Jesus, you're hidden away with him, you're part of the, the posse. You're on Thursday, you're, you're found in an upper room, and, and as you make your way into the room, you're gonna celebrate the feast together. <laughs> Several of you, yourself included, you're arguing over who's gonna be number one, who's gonna be first in the kingdom when Jesus takes, when he, he overthrows the Romans. And even in that moment, Jesus doesn't rebuke you specifically. What he does, he, you've walked in dusty. He, he takes a bowl of water. He takes a towel and he begins to wash feet. And, and you're like really humbled. You shut up. You get quiet because kings don't wash feet. In fact, Peter pushes back. You were there. You heard it. He's like, no, you can't. You're not doing this. And Jesus like, fine. I mean, hey, if, if you want to be part of me, you got to let me do this. And Peter goes all in. He's like, Well, not just my feet then, just wash my whole body. And Jesus' is like, No, that's what I'm talking about feet. And so Jesus finishes washing the feet, and then he says, As I've done, I want you to do. And then you're there. You're there as, as the feast comes out. You know, for, for this particular feast, um, the different elements to it. There are different cups that you take, four different cups, and they all correspond with Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Because you're remembering what happened when the Israelites came out of bondage in Egypt and, and there were four promises that were made in Exodus 6.6 6, and each cup that, is, that, that they'll drink corresponds with a promise. So there are two cups before the meal. They, they get ready for the meal and, and Jesus picks up the unleavened bread and, and he breaks it and you don't get what he's talking about. He said, he said, my body's gonna be broken for you. Take this and eat, this is my body. And, and you're like, what's going on? Because you don't fully understand what's going on. We we have perspective here this morning. If if we're looking through the eyes of John, he doesn't know. And then he takes the third cup, which it corresponds with the third promise. And the third promise in Exodus 6.6 is this. I will redeem you with mighty acts of judgment. And he, he takes the cup and he says, drink of this. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and along this time, you, know, you notice that Judas gets up and, and leaves and, you know, there's a little muttering what's going on. And, and, and throughout this, this whole thing, Jesus then says something, he says, you all are going to turn your backs on me. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. You're, you're offended when that happens. And so remember, we're looking through the, the eyes of John, and, and, and so you're, you're offended about this, and, and then Jesus says, hey, let's go, and, and you, you walk out, and, and you're still trying to wrestle with everything that's happened the last little bit. You know, King, King, what, you know what are kings doing here, and, and uh, they don't wash feet, and yeah, what's he saying about broken blood, I, whatever. And so you're, you're on your way back towards the Mount of Olives, there's a garden, Garden of Gethsemane. And before you get there, on the way, Jesus is talking. He's saying things like, it's going to be good for you that I go away. You're like, what are you talking about? But he says, I'm coming back for you. He says, I'm, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're trying to understand. You, you've been taught about the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament, but you don't understand what, what he says. He says he's going to guide you into all truth, all of these things. He, he talks about something about, you know, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then you remember the prayer. He, he prayed a prayer for you. And he said, God, make these men one as you and I are one. And then then just things become a blur because Jesus takes you and your brother James and Peter and he goes goes away to the garden and he leaves you a place. He says, I've got to go pray. And he's, he's praying prayer that you don't understand and honestly, you don't hear because you're sleepy. But he's praying, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he comes back, and you're embarrassed when he shakes you awake. You've fallen asleep, and then he goes back and prays some more. Comes back, wakes you up, and this time you see there's a crowd of people that are coming. And, and they are torches, and you're like, okay, what's going on? And they're coming closer. And then you're like, okay, they're carrying weapons. And, dude, that's Judas. What's Judas doing? You, you, you watch Judas kiss Jesus. And then, man, like everybody pulls their weapons. And Peter pulls his weapon too. He cuts off a dude's ear. And Jesus picks up the ear, heals the man, and then they take him into custody. And that's where you, who just a few hours before were offended, when he said, you're going to abandon me, you take off running like everybody else. But, but, but the story is, is G, John John knew somebody in the temple courtyard, so you remember that. So you circle back around and you follow at a distance. And as we keep on reading through John 13 and, you know, that that through 17 talks about what happens in the upper room. We get to chapter 18 and, and chapter 19. And, and, and John is just recording what he's seen, what he's been through. There's a pitiful excuse of a trial, is, and then Thursday becomes Friday. There's the loud laughing, the, the mock. Of the Roman soldiers as they begin to beat, as they begin to beat Jesus. You hear that he's been sent off to to Herod, and and there's more, there's more brutality that that takes place there. He comes back and and, and Peter has, has gone in and you don't know you don't know everything that happened. You just know that that you heard Peter say some words that he wasn't supposed to say. He curses three times denies Jesus and, and you might have missed it but there was a, a final look that was exchanged between Jesus and Peter and then Peter runs out. Man, just this is messed up. And then you hear the, the words passing around. Everybody has all these rumors. What's going on? You hear it's going to happen. They're going to crucify him. And at this point you're, you're shocked and everybody else has run. We don't have record of any other disciples at the cross but John, we're looking through his eyes, and you're there at the cross. There's Mary, Jesus, mother that's there. There's Mary Magdalene that's there. Some some other ladies. And it's a tragic scene. I mean, it's brutal. You're you're looking at this. Come on, we're looking through John's eyes. Just feel the emotion of the moment. I wonder. I don't know. Did 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 the doubt ever flow through his mind? Is Jesus really king? Because I. While I know that kings don't wash feet, for sure, kings aren't crucified on crosses. You don't even, you don't crucify even enemy kings. You even treat them with honor and respect. And yet, here's Jesus hanging there, and you hear him say some words. Well, he didn't say a lot, but what he says matters. First of all, we, you hear him say, forgive them, Father, talking of those who are crucified him, for they know not what, they're, what they do. You hear Jesus promise a thief. You're right there at the cross. You hear him promise a thief that's hanging there, that he's going to be with him in paradise. Are you kidding me right now? Then you, you hear your name called. Jesus is trying to get your attention. You look up and, and he asks you, take care of my mom. Even on the cross, Jesus is looking out for his mother. Then you hear him call, my God, my God. My God why have you forsaken me? And what, you, what you can't fully appreciate in that moment is that when Jesus said that, he's feeling the weight of the sins of the world, including your sins, the wrath of God for sin. It's literally poured out on Jesus as he's hanging there, and you you look up, and what is going on? You hear him cry for for water, and they don't bring him water, they bring him vinegar, and then he cries out, it is finished. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit, and, and you look, it's finished all right. You see the soldier come in to check him. Several minutes later, they pierce his side. The blood and water flow out together, and they're like, He's gone. And then, even later, they're taking him off the cross. You're still hanging out. What's going on? It's, it's a guy you've seen before. It's some rich dude, name of Joseph. He takes him off the cross, and, and where are they going to lay? And the ladies follow at a distance, and they see Joseph and others wrapping him in linen cloths. They, they see the tomb that they put him in. They see the stone rolled in place. And what you hear later is that the, the chief priests have gone to the Roman governor and said, can you put guard on the tomb? Because we're afraid the followers are going to steal his body and try to say that he is risen. What do you do? Where do you go? Well, the question is, what time is it? Because f- somewhere along the line, Friday turns into Saturday. And what's Saturday? Saturday is the Sabbath. Sabbath. In fact, we see in Luke chapter 23, verse 56, words we probably didn't even think about when we think about the resurrection story. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. What commandment? You can't do anything on the Sabbath. You can only walk so far. You, you can only do certain things. It was almost like even if they wanted to run and get out of here, they can't. God himself, with his commandments, trapped them. What is going on here? You record that they go back to their, uh, the scripture records they go back to their homes. Well, they don't live there. They're from Galilee. They gather together and it's Saturday. It's Saturday. And I, I just wanna, I wanna hit pause and I, I wanna bring it, let's, let's bring things to 20. Twenty-one. I don't. I don't like waiting, even on good days. Uh, like I just. I don't like waiting. If there's one particular uh, wait that was. I don't know. Still to this day, it might be one of the the worst waits I've ever seen. In fact, you know what? Josh, can you do me a favor? Can you grab that chair next to you and bring it to me? Yeah. Yeah. Just grab grab that chair. And bring it um. And and while, the, I'm just gonna kind of. Illustrate what what took place here. Um, we were Lori and I were pregnant. She was pregnant. I wasn't, but we were together in this, um, <laughs> pregnant for the very first time. And it literally was we ninth month. We just recently started the ninth month. And Lori had gone for what we knew was going to be her last checkup. They're going to do the ultrasound and everything, just make sure everything's good. I don't even re- remember why I was home. I think it was lunchtime or something like that. I was—I still remember vividly I was stand, i was on the front porch. And while I was, while I was standing on the front porch, um, Lori pulls in and she comes up. And as she's getting closer, it was a little ways where she parked. She came up the, the steps. I could see she was crying. I'm like, she gets up. I'm like, Lori, what's going on? And, and she just kind of shook her head like this. I said, Lori, what's, what's wrong? She shook her head. Well, I'm getting kind of freaked out. She, she goes by me. We lived on the third floor of an apartment building. She, she goes up the third floor, and I'm chasing her, saying, what's going on? And she's not saying a word. We we, we go into, we, we go into uh, the bedroom, and she gets out of bag, and she's just throwing stuff. I mean, just like throwing stuff. And finally, I don't remember how exactly I got her to. I grabbed her shoulders, whatever. I just I said, Lori, you've got to tell me what's wrong. And she, look, she looks at me, and man, she's, she's not just like a little crying. She's sobbing, and my wife doesn't do that. And she says, they can't find the heartbeat. And they say, we've got, got, deli- we got to deliver the baby today. And dude, I went into panic mode. And we, we ran down the steps. And we, we did not say a word. We, we get in the, the car, and I man, I'm driving as fast as I can to University Hospital there in Cincinnati. And I'm praying, God, you can't do this. We, we, we rush in and we rush into the, the emergency room and, and I go, I drop her off, I go park the car and I come in and, and they said, sir, you can't go to where your wife is. And they take me, they take me to a waiting room and they said, sir, if you can just have a seat, the doctor's going to be in to talk to you. And I'm going to be honest with you, their seats weren't nearly as comfortable as this. And I went in a room, and there were other people waiting, but it was like I was the only one there. And I sat down in this chair. And some of you have been there. And there's a million thoughts going through my mind. Honestly, the the thing I'm I'm just saying, God, you can't do this. Man, we knew we were going to have a son. God, you can't. You can't take my son. God, God, you can't. Take my son. Man, I'm waiting there. I told you I hate waiting. Like, like I I microwave Pop-Tarts. That's how bad I am. I microwave Pop-Tarts. That should give you an idea of how messed up I am. I'm sitting there and I'm I'm waiting. You ever ever been in the the waiting room? You know, you're you're there and you don't think good thoughts in the waiting room. You just don't. Literally, you're, you're waiting. You're waiting for the doctor to come through, and you're already. You, we just automatically go to worst-case scenario. What if? What if? What if? You know, if we, if if we go if you, if you go back to go back to the room, man it's Saturday. It's Peter, James, John, all the all the disciples there. Everybody's gathered. It's, it's, not, it's probably it's probably more than the 12 disciples. Think what's going through everybody's mind on Saturday. Peter, it's regret. Dude, my, last, last thing I do is betray Jesus, are you kidding me? That's literally gonna be my last memory, regret. There's Mary Magdalene, I, I don't know where she's at but it's like, man, I, th- I thought it, my life was changed, but man, if the, if the guy that said he was the son of God, if he's the one who forgave, forgave me and then he dies, does that mean I'm not forgiven? I mean, there's just kind of doubts start running through your mind. Then there's then there's Bartimaeus, like Bartimaeus. <laughs> mean? He's dead. I mean, I'll, am I going back to being blind again? Listen, as a pastor, I've, I've sat down in a lot of waiting rooms. When I sit down in waiting rooms with people, it's interesting um, what, what people do. And I, 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 honestly, I'm, I'm thankful I have the chance to be there. We, we just kind of talk out loud. We, we, we share memories. We share regrets. What, I, what I've learned as a pastor is that waiting rooms aren't just filled with fear. Waiting rooms are filled with lots of regrets and remorse. And then, yeah, the what if. What if the doctor comes through with the worst thing I can think of? And man, if, we, if, we, if we're looking at this through John's eyes, we're, we're there. You come to some conclusions in the, in the waiting room, right? I mean, you come, to, you come to some conclusions based on what you feel in the moment. First, first is this, like if you're taking notes, you just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed through this. So you're going to have to write fast. The first conclusion that you, you come to is this, the cross is the worst thing ever. I mean, literally, I watched, you, your John, you were there, you saw, like, I never, I'm never going to forget what I saw. I'm never going to forget the sounds, I'm never going to forget the smell, I'm never going to forget what happened. The cross is the worst thing ever. Man, it, it stole, it's literally robbed me of hope. When I, when I, when I heard Jesus say it's finished, it's over. Another conclusion that you have when, when you're waiting, when you're, you're just waiting for the worst, you, you, go, you go to this and, and, and listen. Here's the thing. Jesus claimed to be the son of God, but yet he dies. Here's, here's the thought that comes to your mind on Saturday in the waiting season. God didn't come through. God didn't come through. God didn't come through. But the last conclusion that you come to as you're sitting there, is this little thing? Death one. Death one. You, you, you You came in celebrating last Sunday, and now. You're here hiding. You cannot wait for light to get there so you can hit the road and hightail it out of town. Because if they already took Jesus down, they're probably coming for you next. This, this story's over. We had a nice three-year run. Let's put the period we're done for. I'm going to go back to where I came from. But at some point, sometime, Saturday turned into Sunday. Don't you love it when someone does something unexpected? And the story, I love the fact that John doesn't, d- doesn't end with the reflection of an upper room, but in John 20 verse, uh, verse one, we see this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, she saw, what in the world? The stone has been taken away from the tomb. What would you do? She ran. She ran and went back to where the guys, she ran to Simon Peter. And this is is the other disciple. John's talking about himself. The other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. So, Peter takes out, man. He, he's running. So, so, so Peter went out with the other disciple, talking about John, and they're going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. We get it, John, you're fast. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, and following him, he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which it was a separate cloth, which had which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with linen cloth. It's not like they put them all together. No, it was there, lying folded up in a place by itself. And then John, who has given us an eyewitness account, we're looking through the eyes of John, shares his personal testimony in verse eight. When we read, then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb, first also went in, and catch this, and he saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. We think that they had this thing all figured out. He goes on to say they had no idea that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. And you're like, he told you. They didn't get it. They didn't get it, but when he went in, he saw and he believed, and in that moment of belief, Saturday's conclusions were trumped by Sunday's revelation. Isn't that great? Saturday's conclusions are trumped by Sunday's revelation, and here's what Sunday revealed. Here's what the morning light revealed. Number one, the cross had a purpose. The cross had a purpose. In that moment John couldn't have fully grasped it. He couldn't have understood it, but in the days that would come, in the months and the years that would come, he would be convinced that the cross was not merely an instrument of death meant for je- devastation, but it was actually meant as a means for our salvation. What took place on the cross was nothing what was was very tragic, but it was not tragic Alone. It literally was the flowering of hope because what happened on the cross, Jesus took the wrath intended for our sin. He redeemed us, which simply means that he paid a price that we could not pay. And what he did on the cross was he eliminated all excuses as to why I can't come to Jesus. I'm so messed up. I got to clean myself up. Jesus says, my work is better than your work. My work, my grace is greater than your sin. He got rid of all the excuses. The cross has a purpose, but he also found out that God's work is worth the wait. God's work is worth the wait. And listen, today I'm talking to people. I don't know where you're at, what's going on, but you're in a waiting period. It's in the waiting period that doubts naturally come. They do. We don't understand what God's doing. And we're tempted on Saturday to come up with conclusions that aren't true. But while we're waiting, God is still working. While they were huddled together in an upper room, God had not given up. And so what what they found out was the faith that they have was not a faith that was in vain. It was a faith that God responded to two. Isaiah 64:4. I love this verse, and if you find yourself in a waiting period, hold on to these words from of old. No one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for Him. While you're waiting, God's working. Hey, by the way, I got finished my story. I didn't finish my story. After waiting for 26 hours, yeah, 26 hours. Trey showed up on the scene. He's alive. I'm telling you what, man. I got a son. His heart was beating. He was, still, he was actually beating the drums today. That's what he was doing. I, know, I had him stand up in the first service. I'm neither, and I noticed he's nowhere to be found in this service. He did want me to, to point that out. But what I found is that all the doubts, all of the what ifs, all of the worst case scenarios, I found out that God works even when we wait. God works even when we doubt. You see, what they found out is that the cross had a purpose, that God's work was worth the wait. And what they found out is that death didn't win, Jesus wins. Come on, we serve a risen Savior today. He is alive. Jesus gets the final word. And what Jesus starts, Jesus finishes. He still wins. And this morning, I want to leave you with this. His work is still enough. What he did on the cross is still enough. The power of the resurrection is still enough. And John, we've been looking through his eyes. I love, John recorded his, you know, from the very beginning, from chapter one, here's what I saw from Jesus. He uses the first half to tell the three years that he traveled with Jesus. He takes the second half. He spends the whole second half of the gospel of John on the events of Jesus' final week. Because he knew that's, that's really where the story is. And he comes down to the end of John chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles still open, I love love these words. We read in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. I can't fit them all in here. But what I've written, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John said there's a reason I wrote this I want you to know I want you to know I want you to have the same experience when I saw and believed I want you to see and believe the cross was enough the resurrection is enough and and, and today We can disagree about many things as as Christians, things that really don't matter. But there are some essential things that we hold on to. And and the essential thing that we hold on to is this. Jesus is alive. The resurrection happened. It really happened. And I love, Paul, the triumph of of Romans chapter 10, this great confidence when in verse 9 we read, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, listen to this, you will be saved. I don't know who's in the waiting room this morning. You're sitting hopeless and helpless. You came in here, you wanted to make mama happy. You didn't want to be here, but she said, we're going to have ham. You show up. You don't show up, you're not getting ham. You showed up. Listen to me. Even if you're not looking for Jesus, he's looking for you. You're here today. Christian, you're discouraged, you feel like God's forgot about you, you cannot look at the cross, you cannot look at the empty tomb, and hold on to this, that Jesus has forgotten about us, no, Jesus showed up, and did the unexpected, and what Jesus did, when he showed up and did the unexpected, he paid for everyone, I paid $42.75 for that poor mom in the, in the, in the drive-thru line behind me. I didn't pay any more. Jesus paid it all. And that's why we celebrate. This is Easter. Saturday turns into Sunday. Sunday always trumps Saturday. Today, we leave knowing that Jesus is alive. As I close the service, I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for you. Man, if you've never repented of your sins, if today the gospel has grabbed you, you understand maybe for the first time Jesus did this for you, I'm going to pray for you. Man, just repent. Give it to God. He died for you. You don't have to clean yourself up. He, He does the cleaning up. Or if you're here today and you're wondering if you're all alone, you're not. God's here the spirit of Christ is with us and so Father as we leave here we thank you for the great confidence that is ours we serve a risen savior he's in the world today and God I'm so thankful that you are here today to change lives God there are people here they've never followed you and I pray that today would be the day of salvation that you would transform them as they turn from their sins they put their trust in your work that you would change them but God maybe there's a Christian here that's struggling man I don't know what to do with this addiction I don't I don't know what to do with this burden I'm carrying I, I don't know what to get, it's, it's Saturday God I'm praying that there would be a personal resurrection this morning that would be reminded again of the fact that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within us and God may we go with the confidence of knowing that you're our savior but also going with the confidence of knowing that you're our victor you are our champion And so, God, for what you have done in the time together we have, I thank you. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Come on, let's do this one more time. He is risen. Oh, guys, I'm fired up. Man, I love, love, love this. Thanks for coming and celebrating Easter with us. Listen, next week we're kicking off a brand new series called Bury the Hatchet. We're going to be talking about forgiveness and bitterness and what it means to let go. I hope you'll show up next week. Have a great day. You're dismissed. We'll see you Sunday.